If you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 5 this morning. Before I read that text, a little point of privilege, uh, since I have the microphone. We don't talk about giving probably enough in the church, and um, certainly not enough about money. Usually when the pastor starts talking about money, people, you know, is there a crisis going on? Is What's happening here? Uh, is the rent not being paid? Um, I like to think about talking about money uh, on a more consistent, regular basis, and that's where I'm coming from. Um, as we kind of enter into, round, it, round out, enter into this new year, um, it's always just a good time to reassess your giving. And um, I know that's something that Ada and I try to do at this time every year. Maybe that's your practice. Everybody has different practices, but it's just good to, to, to reassess that. If, if you are giving, um, thank you. Thank you for giving to the church. Um, if you're a member here and you haven't um, began or started giving, I would just encourage you to sit down and think about what we could start giving and to trust the Lord with that. Um, I'm a firm believer that giving uh, is, a, is, is really a practice. If you don't give a dollar when you have 10, then you're not going to give anything when you have much more. And um, it's, it's, you know, that, that don't fall into that trap of, oh, well, I'll just, I don't have any money. I'll wait till I get that job. And, and what you don't realize happens is you get that job and you get that expenses <laughs> and, 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 you know, we, there's never enough. Um, and, and God calls his people to something different and that is to trust him with our things, trust him with our possessions and to start practicing uh, the grace really of giving that he gives us to give our money away. And so uh, thank you for those that are giving. If you haven't started giving, if you're a member here, we'd love for you to consider doing that uh, and just start somewhere. Um, you don't have to, to, you know, to break records, although some people probably would appreciate that. But just here's $5, here's $10, and, and watch how just the blessing of giving untangles our hearts um, because we are so gripped with material things. We're so gripped with uh, possessions, and money is a big one. And so I just thought I'd take a moment to... to, to encourage you all in that, to thank you all in that, and uh, to encourage you to consider um, how the Lord might be leading you uh, as we enter into this new year. And yes, I realize it's February, but it still feels new. All right, let's get back to the text here, um, Ephesians 5. Before I read this, just last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit and how being filled with the Spirit leads God's people to three things. Uh, it leads his people to, uh, to a full heart that, uh, that sings, uh, literally uh, gives song to one another and to God, uh, a full heart that gives thanks. And then he ends with a full heart that, uh, being filled with the Spirit, uh, submits to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you'll notice as I read this text, that is, a, is another hinge that he's going to transition into the rest of the chapter with. And so um, it, it, it flows out of this being filled with the Spirit. And so I'm going to read all the way to verse 33, but we will not talk about those texts until next week because we have to um, talk about this uh, verse 21 and how it relates to the idea of being filled with the Spirit and submitting in general before we get to the particulars. And so our passage this morning will begin in verse 18 and then I'll cut it to 21 and go through the rest as we uh, enter into what for many is, is somewhat, uh, is, a, is a challenging passage. Um, so I want to give it some time, and that's why we're taking two weeks on it. 
Well, let's give our attention to the reading of God's word uh, found in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and then looking at verse 21 to, to 33. But be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And then the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would do a miracle, and by miracle that you would soften hardened hearts this morning, that you would open our eyes and our ears, that we would see things otherwise we could not, that we would grow that we would be good soil, such as a seed goes into good soil and produces a fruit, that your word would go deep into our hearts and change us. For your sake we pray, amen. Well, many tuned in to watch this year's Super Bowl uh, a few weeks back between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, If you didn't tune in and watch it, uh, it's okay. I'm gonna recap everything for you here in just a second. But just some stats, you know, as we think about culture in America, we had 113 million viewers watch the Super Bowl this year. Uh, So not the highest, but the highest in six six years. Uh, Commercials continue to uh, dominate the scene for the Super Bowl. If you wanted to get 30 seconds of airspace this year, you're paying between six and seven million dollars. No small fee there. Um, Chris Stapleton. If you didn't know who he was, played the national anthem, crushed it, uh, made grown men cry live on TV. And um, that's about it. Overall, um, it was a pretty good Super Bowl uh, for Americans, love it or hate it. Uh, In the weeks to follow, analysts and commentaries have done uh, their best to break down the game, um, how to, you know, what happened, what were the most costly plays, getting interviews with coaches and players, et cetera, et cetera. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But one 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 moment in the game that that you probably forgot if you watched it, and it's just maybe starting to get a little bit of traction. Is something that happened in the fourth quarter with just under two minutes left, uh, where running back Chiefs running back Jarek McKinnon uh, he takes a handoff. It's first and ten on the on the eleven, I think. And with his speed, he gets outside the tackles and he, he finds himself what we call daylight, in daylight. Like it is him and six yards to the end zone. 
And it is a tie ball game, 35-35, by the way. I'm so sorry for you Eagles fans, by the way. I just, I'm not meaning to relive this, but you'll see the point here in a second. But if you remember the play, and if you, even if you didn't, it, it is a walk-in touchdown. But, but what does McKinnon do that, that really surprised me? And, and I'm probably maybe one of the most loved, I love sports, we'll just put it that way. He takes a knee. And it was jarring. Uh, you, you thought, there he goes in for the touchdown, Kansas City up, you know, by a touchdown here with under two minutes to go. He takes a knee at the one-yard line. And, and, and one of the reasons he does this is because if he takes that knee, this gives his team more time to run, off, run the time off the clock and set up for what would end up being a game-winning touchdown. Again, sorry, Eagles fans. Or game-winning field goal, sorry. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. But, but McKinnon yielded the touchdown here. And this is what has beginning to gain, gain traction. And actually ESPN, of all places, celebrated this this week with a post that they put on social media. And this is why I'm sharing this with you, okay? Here's what the post said. And, and, and it talked about this. It said, so this was, be, this was a selfless act of his own, uh, yielding a touchdown for what he would be able to celebrate with his kids and grandkids for the rest of his life for the sake of somebody else. Here's what it said. McKinnon could have spent the rest of his life telling his children and grandchildren about the time he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I'm sure he has dreamed of that moment since he was a child and knows he may never get the opportunity again. Instead, with one minute left, he chose to sacrifice that accomplishment to better the chances that all of his teammates get a ring. I will always be a fan, the post wrote. This is a picture that should be put up in every high school gym in the country. And, and if you go and you see this picture, it's a beautiful picture. I mean, you see the goal line, and he just goes down on one knee, and this is what ESPN is celebrating. Now, why talk about football when we're looking at Ephesians? Well, what ESPN is celebrating here, I wanna to suggest to you, believe it or not, is exactly what the Bible calls submission or the act of submitting or yielding oneself to another, for, or yielding oneself for the sake of the other as McKinnon is being celebrated here of doing. In other words, what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 5, make no mistake about it, happened on a football field with 113 million people watching it, and no one protested. Now, I imagine if somehow we hit timeout and somebody walked out onto the field instead of McKinnon taking that knee and read Ephesians 5, I don't know if there would be the same reaction. But you see my point. See, he demonstrated everything of what it looks like to consider others more important than himself. And that's the biblical definition of submission. Next week, we're gonna talk about how submission plays out in marriage between husband and wife. And then the week after that, we're gonna look at the roles of, of parents and children, and then masters and slaves. But before we do any of that, we have got to talk about what submission is, what it is not, and remember that before we zero in on our marriages or whatever it is, we Christians 
are called to mutually submit to one another because we follow a submitting and yielding Savior. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, from the start, I want to acknowledge why reading Ephesians 5 at the Super Bowl would not be received well or why when this passage has been used to promote slavery in our country, when this, when this passage, what Paul's talking about, has been abused by pastors and Christians and husbands and parents and bosses, there is good reason why people walk away from the faith because of the way that this text and the text we're gonna look at and the implications of it next week have been applied. And so I, from the get-go, I wanna say I acknowledge that and I, and I hear you. <laughs> but when we get into what biblical submission is and we see it played out, it is the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. And I'm gonna to try to prove that to you this morning as best as I can. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and it's actually something that when it's seen, it causes us to stop, right? It causes 113 million viewers even to begin to write about it and to begin to even talk about it and to begin to even say, you know what, this should be put up in the gym of every single high school in the country. They may not be saying that about Ephesians 5, and they may not know it, but they are when they see it. And if there's anything that I can get us, the church, to begin doing, it's to begin living this out so that people can see it and then desire it and want it because it's different, it's new, it's love. It's love. To get at that, uh, three things, what submitting is, what submitting is not, and then why submit, okay? What submitting is, what submitting is not, and then why we submit for our time this morning as we enter into this section. So what, what's, what is submission? What submission is? Looking back at verse 18, which is where we're really gonna be spending our time, that in 21, Paul says, but be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, okay? That's how that flow of thought needs to be. Um, it's, it's the same as submit, I mean, being filled with the Spirit, um, therefore, you know, singing and being thankful and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, so first, let's just do some, some terminology. This word submit, it, it, it's a military term that Paul introduces, and he's going to get a little bit more uh, militaristic as he heads into chapter 6 when he talks about the armor of God. So there's, there, there's, there's some of that here, but it literally means to align or arrange oneself under the authority of another. To submit means to align or arrange oneself under the authority of another. As I said, it is a military term, and it has this idea of general and soldier. General and soldier, okay? Second, though, this word reverence needs to be defined, and it actually, it, it, reverence and respect is the right takeaway, but it's actually the word fear there, or phobos. And so we are to submit to one another literally out of fear of Christ. Now, that doesn't sound necessarily good, but what does this mean? Well, as I said, it's, it's soldiers to a general, all Christians. And so when we think about this, when we think about the fear component, let's think about it like this. 
soldiers align with their general out of fear of what? Out of fear of that general for what he will do should they not be aligned with him on the battlefield. Think about it that way. This battle language, as I said, Paul will use as we continue on. So it, it, I'm not comfortable with it, but it's, it's, it's where we are in the passage. Paul is saying the same thing, though, for Christians, and that is submitting um, or that Christians must align themselves under the authority of Jesus. If we do not submit ourselves under the authority of Jesus in this way, we should fear him because we are not aligned when it comes to that final battle, to that final judgment as Scripture talks about. So practically speaking, right, to not yield to Christ's authority says, one, we are not filled with the Spirit, to go back to verse 18. And if we are not filled with the Spirit, what Paul's already said earlier, we're not united to Christ. And if we're not united to Christ, then we have no hope when he returns. And, and final judgment assumes. All right, but the second, though, is reverence or respect. And this is... This, both of these things come together to give us the fuller sense of what Paul's talking about. This is why your translation says reverence, right? Because we don't, we don't obey out of fear. We all know that in here, right? So there's a sense of, there's a healthy fear, right? Of like, here's what happens if I'm on the other side of the battlefield line, uh, if, right, if I'm not united to Christ. But Paul's whole point here is, is, is what he's about to prove is, is your submission to Christ is, is because you respect him. That's why you do it. You don't do it because you're afraid of him. You do it because you respect him. That's the reverence component. No, no Christian, as we would say, follows a tyrant. We follow a God who loves in a way in which he is willing to deny himself, to submit himself to death for the sake of others. It's out of that respect, that reverence, that we submit. Okay, so at no time then, let's just say this for the sake of, of, of the record, if you're a Christian, are you asked to do something then that Jesus hasn't done? That's why you follow him. He gets in the trenches as well. And that's why Christians are happy to take his orders, which means submission for us, friends, will always flow out of our allegiance to Christ. And I can't stress this enough for our understanding the rest of chapter 5. Your Bible probably has a break there between 21 and 22. That break did not exist in the original manuscripts. So please recognize that Everything that flows out of that flows out of this understanding that submission flows out of our allegiance to Christ. Everyone's call to submit in life and the ways that we are called to submit is always done first and foremost out of our allegiance, out of our respect for Christ. Doesn't matter who you are. Which means that if submitting, for example, whether it's to husbands or parents or masters, as, the, as Paul will go on to talk about, calls you to something that Christ does not call you to, or that his word does not call you to, or that his word actually calls sin, or just to blanket it at all, just to cover everything, is not Christ-like behavior, then you are not to submit because every act of submission to one another in here is also an act of submission first and foremost to Christ himself. Here's, here's, 
He's the one you must answer to. So let me put it another way. No one is just submitting to a husband, friend, or whatever. What you do for one, you do for Christ. I can't serve my kids and that not be serving my wife as well. See that? That's why I can't stress this enough. Everything that Paul describes here is always a product or a derivative of the Christian's primary allegiance, which is Jesus, okay? All right, so what is submission then, just for the sake of of, of definition, and I've kind of already said it, but let's just put it plainly. Submission is love. It's love. It is self-giving love. Let's add to it a little bit. It's a love that can only be expressed from someone because that person is so full of someone else. This is where we left off last week. It is a self-giving love, right, that can only be expressed because that person is full of someone else. And what is that person full of? The Spirit. So that they are not in a place of wanting, of insecurity, right? They are able to think of themselves less and think of others more. This is, a, this is Philippians 2. It is to consider others more important than yourself. And as we said last week, you can't do that if you aren't filled with Christ. I'm too needy. There's another way to put that. I'm too needy. I have too many insecurities. There's too many other things going on. I'm too bent in on myself because my sin causes me just to navel gaze all the time. Unless the affirming spirit, like the affirmation of the spirit comes in me and tells me this is who you are. This is how much you're loved. No matter what you experience in this world, you cannot look ahead and serve other people. That's what it's saying. It is. It is something that flows out of someone because they are so full of someone else, which is the spirit, and it allows them to consider others more important than themselves. It's being able, let's continue, to live by a different code that says, I don't need to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, just to come back to the beginning. I know my value, I know my worth because of Christ, and therefore I can actually think about something other than myself. I don't have to be at the center of everything. Jesus is at the center of everything, we all know that. He's who I'm aligning under and who I'm following. This is why our works are an aroma to God. And they're an aroma to God, just as Christ is an aroma because of that, because they reflect Jesus, not us. That's what smells good to to God. It's Jesus. And we... This is going to get too personal, but that we smell good because Jesus is, we're, we're, we're united to Christ. But our, the aroma there that, that he's talking about is when we serve others in this way, sacrificially, right, with humility, giving ourselves up for the sake of others, that is an aroma because you are reflecting Christ. That's his point. And when we think about what that actually looks like and when we consider that, when we think about what a world would look like where somebody considers somebody else more important than themselves, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't think that's beautiful? Who would look at you and say, you know what, that is wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Nobody says that. But that's what submission is. Okay, 
It's here where we've got to move into some things. What, what, what is submission not? And, and this is important because wherever we come from this morning, we certainly come from other ideas of submission or the problems with submission um, entering into our definition. And, and you know, at best, we, we need to expose those a little bit as we look at the biblical definition of submission this morning. So um, that, that's what submission is. It's probably more than what I've just described, but it's a good starting place, all right? It's a willingness to be able to think about others other than yourself, right? It's, it's love. It is self-giving love. Um, and it's done in a way, um, or it's done because you are so filled up with something else, okay? So let's get to that second point, what submission is not. Um, if you're taking notes, there's, there's six things here, and I'll be brief with these, but submission is not, is not an indication of value or worth. Submission the act of submitting is not an indication of value or worth. It's not an indication of, oh, I'm of greater value and you are of lesser value, therefore you must submit to me. Submission is mutual in the body of Christ. What does the text say back at 18? Or submitting to one another, verse 21. Submitting to one another. And what does it mean to be, for this to be mutual? Mutual submission isn't so much the idea that everyone is submitting to everyone all at the same time. That's, that's impossible. Rather, it's no one, no one at any given time is exempt from the act of submission or yielding to others. No one is exempt from the act of submission or yielding to others at any given time. Not because of their age, not because of their gender, not because of their status, whether in the community, community or in the church, not because of their giving, what their bank account says about them, nothing. Everyone is called to submit within the body of Christ just as everyone is called to sing and to give thanksgiving. Why? Because these are characteristics of being filled with the Spirit. Submission or yielding to, to another is not an indication of your value or, or worth or their value of worth in, in one sense. Rather, it flows out of, flows out of our value and worth. And that's the real challenge. What's, what's your value or worth? It's being filled with the Spirit. You know who you are in Christ. So you can. Okay, that's the first. The second, though, submission or yielding is not in conflict with equality. I know a lot of buzzwords today. Not in conflict with equality. For some, when we hear the word submit, we immediately think unequal. Unequal. Only inferior people submit, we might think. Christian submission, though, never challenges your equality among one another. And why? Well, one, Paul has given... uh, one reason Paul's given you so far is because we are all what connected. We're all the same body. That's the metaphor he's been using. And Christ is what? Our head. So as the body, we all might have different roles at times, but all of us are Christ's body, which means, as we've said, all of us are vital to growing and functioning uh, and the functioning of the body itself. There's, there's, there's nobody that's more valuable or, 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 or is of lesser value or anything like that. So In this way, submission doesn't challenge the equality of one another. How foolish it would be to appeal to rank, think about this, as a member of Christ's body. 
right? Go back to the metaphor, we're soldiers um, in, in a rank. Some of you all who have military uh, experience, you understand what that means. Right? It would be foolish for you to sit out there under your general uh, amongst level, you know, level playing field of, of, your soldier, of, of your fellow men and, and women and say, no, no, I'm, I'm a little bit above you. We're all in the same unit. This is, this is one of the reasons why, we, why Paul would say this, right? We share in the same body. Um, Christian submission never, in this way, never challenges your equality among one another, just as any other act of love doesn't challenge your equality among one another, okay? Moving on, submission or yielding is not being a doormat or someone with no backbone. Um, when someone loves you or thinks of others before themselves, right, do we say uh, that they're being a doormat? Um, I would actually say no. I would say this, the scriptures would say that's not necessarily being a doormat, but it's actually self-control. Submission is, is self-control. It's submission. It, it's power, actually. It's love. And I'll prove that here in a second. But Paul, Paul wants to come at this as submission is a posture attitude for the Christian. As an act of love within the community of God's people, it is the expression of humility, of patience and gentleness coming out in the lives of God's people because they have the Spirit. Second Timothy, though, verse seven, chapter one, verse seven says, for God gave us the Spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. A spirit of fear then, right? That might actually be a doormat. That might be actually somebody who is walked over because they're, they're so afraid of not having that affirmation, of not having that connection to somebody that they'll, they'll do whatever they need to do in order to make the other person happy. But by contrast, right, to actually give yourself for somebody else because you, you love them, right, that takes self-control. That takes power, right, to deny yourself this thing. And that's where Paul's going with it. Fourthly, submission is not forced or coerced. All right, the submission that Paul speaks of in verse 21 is not something that Christians force other Christians to do. That needs to be said from the pulpit. This means one, no one is to submit to something that the Bible or Christ forbids, nor is someone to submit that prevents them from doing something that Christ commends. All right, so an elder, right, I'll use myself, I can't pull rank and tell you to go rob the 7-Eleven down the street and you have to submit to me. Because stealing's wrong, right? It's part of the Big Ten. We, we got that. At the same time, though, I can't actually tell you to not give your money away because Christ commands us to give our money away, right? So no one, no one is to submit to something that the Bible or Christ forbids. No one is to, it's to submit that prevents them from doing something, though, that Christ commands. And in this way, submission is never, never, it's never forced and it's never coerced, okay? Um, lastly, submission, yeah, yeah. Lastly, submission is not traditional values or, or, or a cultural practice that they did way back then, and we don't have to do that now. It's not cultural values or just something that, that was done way back in the day that we don't need to do anymore. Sometimes in Scripture, yes, there are places uh, where we can point to and say that's cultural, all right, but that's not the act or practice of submission. 
What's cultural actually about submission would be head coverings that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 11. Those signs of authority are actually cultural, but the practice of submitting to one another is not. Instead, submission, biblical submission, I would argue, though it's been around for some time, is actually a characteristic of the new society that is created and being created by virtue of Jesus' resurrection, which is his church. And this is why Paul moves into marriages, families, workspaces, how this infiltrates every single aspect of the Christian community. Because as we'll see next week more, it is completely counter to anything that has been and what was going on at that point in time. And, and many dub it, right, sort of the characteristic of this new society that is the church, and that's what submission uh, does. And in this way, it's not traditional values. When submission is being played out among God's people as an act of self-giving love, it actually never gets old and is almost foreign when seen, right? There's almost a sort of, what is that when it comes out? Very much like the way everyone responded during the Super Bowl when McKinnon took that knee. It, it stands out. What is he doing? Oh, 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 okay. And that's not cultural. That's not traditional values. It's something the world has rarely seen. And I would argue it's something the world never gets tired of when it sees it. I liken submission, though, to being difficult and to being untried. As G.K. Chesterton puts it this way, he says, the Christian ideal, and you could put submission in there as well, right? The ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And it's here that, that we can admit that, right, the biblical definition of submission is hard. It, it goes against all of my instincts, certainly as an American. There is nothing wanting, though, about the biblical definition of submission. It's just something our culture doesn't celebrate, right? And, and, and again, we're staying right here. This is the mutual submission of one another. We're not getting to, to, to the relationships at this point. I don't want to submit to you. And there's a part of you that doesn't want to submit to me. We can, we can be honest about that. Right? There's a part of me that wants to go do what I want to do. I want to give my money away. I want to keep my money. That's the, that's the American spirit, right? I earned this. Don't tread on me, right? Are we getting there? This is what I mean by this is difficult for us. This is what I mean by uh, Paul even using, you know, well, Paul's not using the word, but, but historians using the word as the new society within the church. This is what that means. This, people don't want to live this way. They don't want to deny themselves, right? They don't want to lay down their rights for the sake of someone else. That's, that feels wrong in our country, in our culture. Submission following Jesus requires Christians to put others before yourself, others before your politics, others before your ideals, others before your dreams, others before your desires, others before the things that you want in life for the sake of somebody else. And I'll just use this as a moment to say, if, if you're not married in this room but want to be married, for example, and all that sounds terrible, don't get married. 
That, that's where Paul's leading this to. This isn't a one-way sort of, uh, you know, power trip for one person in the marriage, right? This is how both are going to model Christ in the church, which looks like sacrificial giving, which is like submission and love towards one another that the world has never seen. And what's at the heart of that is you are going to die, die, die to yourself. But you don't have to be married to be called to that. Paul's calling, it, calling you to it in verse 21, if you want to follow him. That the people sitting to your left and to your right and across from you, you are to submit to them. You're to, you're, you're to value them and see them as more important than yourself. It's not found, um, Christianity um, is not found wanting. We'll go back to that quote. It's found difficult and it's left untried, my friends. In this way, it's not traditional values, it's not cultural practice, right? If anything, it's been found difficult and left untried. But when we see it, right, you never get tired of it. It's beautiful, right? But why do this? And this is, this is where we're landing the plane. Why do this? We do this, it's the last thing, uh, because we follow a submitting Savior, and there's only one place to sort of end this, right? It's, it's to end it at the foot of the cross, right? We could go through all kinds of stuff, right? How does Jesus submit? Well, there's the Trinity to start with, that all the members of the Trinity are in this dynamic, you know, self-giving love, community of love that is, that is in submission to each other. So the Trinity is that picture, by the way. But as we parse that out, and as we look this morning, especially at Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, right? Let's go to Sunday school for a second. We like to talk about the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ. And what's the humiliation, right? Stay with Sunday school for a second, right? It is God coming into this world, his incarnation. It is taking on flesh. It is um, all, the, all of his earthly ministry uh, culminating in his suffering and dying on the cross for you. What is his exaltation? It is his resurrection or vindication, right, of his life. It is his ascending. It is his sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to where, whom he gives Christ as his reward, all things, authority over all things. But even in giving all things, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, he is submitting to the Father. In his humiliation, what is he doing? He's submitting. He's yielding. And you and I need that. We need that. And when we begin to see submission through this lens, when we begin to see submission through the lens of Christ and his cross, let me ask you these questions. Does Jesus' submission to the Father and the Spirit for you, does it change his value? Does it change his worth? Does Jesus' submission make him less equal to the Father and to the Holy Spirit? Does Jesus' submission, even to death, to the moment that last nail was driven in, does that mean he was weak? Does that mean he was a doormat? No. And we can even go so far as to say Jesus' submission was not forced it was something he freely did for you. Let me read this for you. 
reminder of John 10, 17. What does he say? For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one, no one takes it from me, he says, but I lay it down. And why does he lay it down? Because he has the love of the Father and he has the love of the Spirit, but also because his submission means that it gets you. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying, looking to Jesus, the founder uh, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, what? Endured the cross. What was the, what was the joy? Right? What, was, what, what made it worth it to him? It was you. It was getting you. That was his joy. Right? His exaltation where we would be given all things but what does he want most? He wants his bride. Friends, and that's you, that's the church, right? And so it's, it's not enough, and I'm, I'm short on application here this morning because that's next week, but it's not enough to say that Christians must submit because Jesus submitted, right? That God submitted, right? There's no beauty in that. Where's the beauty? It's I can do whatever I want. I'm God, but I chose, right? I chose the cross, I considered others more important than myself. Friends, that is insane. It's the gospel. And it's every reason that we have reverence for Christ, that we do what we do for respect of Christ because of what he has first done for us. Don't you want somebody to love you like that? That's submission. Don't you want someone who, uh, don't you want to respect someone who loves like that? Yes. Don't you freely want to align yourself under someone who cares and nurtures, uh, has care and nurture for you in that way? Absolutely. That's what he's calling you to. That's what he's calling me to. That's what he's calling us to. That's the beauty of it. And the task of the church is to begin doing that in a way that causes what? 113 plus viewers, right? let's go 7 billion, to stop what they're doing and look at that and say, what is that? Oh, that's Jesus and his church. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you've given us uh, much to consider this morning. Um, and, and this morning, you've given us something that, um, you know, we may feel comfortable with because we've been in the church a while, but there are many who don't. And there are many who have been in the church in a while that don't feel comfortable with this because of the way that it has been used. And I pray that you would use your words, that you would use this text, that you'd use your spirit uh, to reshape the way that we are to think about the submission that you call us to. And that wherever we find ourselves this morning, I pray that we would be drawn to the cross, the biggest act of submission on our behalf, the place where somebody said, I, I consider others more important than myself for their sake. Would that be news for us this morning? Would that fill us again and again and again that we may be people as filled by the Spirit are then able to go on submitting to one another out of reverence, out of love, out of respect, out of fear for Christ our Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.